Welcome to Health Club with Julia. I'm your host, health coach, and registered dietitian, Julia Campagna. I'm on a mission to bridge the gap between looking your best and living your life to the fullest. After years of over-dieting, struggling with disordered eating, and destroying my social life, I finally found how to reach my dream physique without sacrificing the things I love. Now I'm sharing all my strategies and education with you. We'll be talking all things health, including hormones, metabolism, and lifestyle to help you cut out the confusion and start living. So get cozy and join the club. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Health Club with Julia podcast. I am super, super, super stoked for today's episode. Today, we have Caroline Biddle joining us today. Caroline is also a fellow registered dietitian, which is super fun. I remember I followed Caroline for forever now, and I remember like following her through her journey of going through like dietetic school, doing the whole exam process. And like I was at that same place basically at the same time. So it was really cool to go through that like together just like watching her go through it and then now here we are like both officially registered dietitians which is super awesome and she's also just like a wealth of knowledge when it comes to basically everything like nutrition training you name it like she checks every single box with just like a genius genius when it comes to it all um and today we're going to be diving into Hashimoto's we're going to be talking about what that is, how you might know that you have it, how to still live, live a healthy life with it too. But before we dive into all the goods, Caroline, if you want to just go ahead, talk a little bit about yourself, let us get to know you, who you are, all that jazz. For sure. Well, thank you so much for having me today. Really appreciate a super sweet intro. I am a registered dietitian. Like you mentioned, I've been an online coach for women for the past, I think six years at this point. So it's been, it's been a hot minute. Um, I just competed in my first bodybuilding show. So I guess I'm also a bodybuilder. Like that could be something. I'm a cat mom. I am a girlfriend. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. I really love sushi and froyo. And I really love helping women on their fitness journeys to not be stuck in that loop of gaining and losing the same five to 10 pounds every year to really like look as good as they feel. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for giving that little intro. I feel like you do such a good job of like letting everybody know who you are on socials too, which is really important. Like I feel like everything that you just mentioned, I'm like, yep, I know that about you. And I feel like that's really awesome. Just like even as a coaching standpoint too, just like getting to know you as a person and like seeing your your life which is awesome so like I said Caroline is amazing at what she does she's truly just so knowledgeable and such a great resource to have and speaking of if you don't follow her go ahead I highly recommend following her at Caroline Biddle underscore rd I'll put her in the show notes here so that you guys can just click the link follow her I highly recommend any question that you have she probably answers so go ahead and give her a follow um but like I said we're gonna be talking about Hashimoto's today and I was trying to find like the prevalence of it in the U.S. but there was just different numbers surrounding that but even without like a factual number I feel like it's been on the rise like I don't know if it's just actually on the rise or people are starting to talk about it more but I feel like so many people that I've talked to over the last I'd say like six months to a year more and more people are saying that they have it and a lot of people either like don't know what it is what to do if they have it they feel like they don't know how to manage it and they're kind of like in this doomed state 
when Mm -hmm. they get told they have Hashimoto. So I kind of want to just dive fully into it all so that people who are listening that listening to this that may have it feel a little bit more at ease feel a little bit at peace with the fact that they have it and that they're not doomed and they can still live a healthy life with it so let's dive into some questions so we'll start off with just the basic question of what is Hashimoto's thyroiditis yeah for sure I feel like it is a big scary word and while like yes it is an autoimmune disease like that that word is heavy disease when I got diagnosed, that was a really hard word to like say out of my mouth when describing about myself. So to anyone who's struggling with this right now, I understand where you're coming from. And I do understand how heavy it might feel right now. And just to give like background on overall what it is, Hashimoto's thyroiditis is an autoimmune disorder or disease that affects the thyroid gland. And what this means by autoimmune is our body has an innate immune system, right? Like that's how we fight off bacteria and infections and things like that. But autoimmune means that our immune system then goes and attacks ourselves. So our immune system mistakes your thyroid gland for a foreign invader and goes and starts breaking it down itself. And the thyroid gland is a little butterfly shaped gland here and it's located right at the front of the neck. That's why when we have like a deficiency in iodine, it might swell. And this is all like where it is located right here. And if your thyroid is off, like that is your body's metabolism regulator. Like whether you gain weight, you lose weight, how many calories you expend, regulating body temperature, heart function, digestion, like all of the things, it is related to your thyroid gland. And that is why people that struggle with Hashimoto's have such broad and almost nonspecific symptoms because it is so prevalent in like everything that we do. So if you have Hashimoto's, it could impact your menstrual cycle. It could impact your cognition. You could have sluggish digestion. Really common ones are like feeling really cold all of the time. Hypothyroid is you can't lose weight. Hyperthyroid is you can't keep weight on. So there's a bunch of different ways that it can manifest. And it's important to figure out like what your particular body is showing, because we not only want to be managing the root cause, but we want to figure out what or where these symptoms are actually coming from so that we can address that. Yeah. And I think that that's also one of the hardest parts is that it can, like you said, manifest in in different ways and show up in different ways. And we'll talk more about like how to even know if, if you think that you have it or when to get tests done. But I think the first part about this is being really in tune with your body and and noticing that something is off. And so when you start to notice something is off, then you can kind of take action on those things. So I think that's a really big part of just even figuring out that something, even if it you don't know that it's Hashimoto's yet, something is going on is just being in tune with yourself and how your body functions and then knowing that it's not functioning as it once was or it just feels different. But we'll talk more about specifics like symptoms and all of that as we go through these questions. Um, but tell us a little bit about you and your journey with Hashimoto's for sure. So I'm going to start with how I figured out that I had it. And then we'll dive into like my root cause and where all that came from, because I didn't know where to go look until I did get the diagnosis. So at the end of my bodybuilding prep, I tried out a new lab requisition 
it was cheaper than the one I normally use on life extension. I was like, this is pretty dope. And I had never had my antibodies tested. And I didn't know that it tested my antibodies until I got it back. So I had actually looked at these labs and I was like, overall, these are pretty good. Like nothing's super flagged. This was before I was really in tune with functional ranges versus like standard traditional ranges. And I'm like, you know what? It's not that bad. I'm in a bodybuilding prep. This is kind of what I expected it to be. And then Beyond Built, which is the company that I work with, partnered with a, it's almost like a transcend hormone replacement therapy. It's called Magnus Medical, and it helps our, or helps us support our clients in hormone replacement therapy, hormone optimization, and just overall wellness. So I, being the guinea pig that I always am, put myself through the process and I'm like, hey, here's my labs. Let's review them. Let's see what we can do to optimize it. And I'm on the phone with this doctor and she goes, did you know you have Hashimoto's? And I was like, no, ma'am, I didn't know I had Hashimoto's. And I was familiar with it from my time in school and then also just working with women. But I didn't understand like how it really impacted me and what that truly meant for the trajectory of my life and how I needed to change like a lot about my life, to be honest. And I fought the diagnosis for a while. For a while, I was like, oh, I'll just start eating gluten-free, dairy-free in January. And this was like a November, right? So like I was just waiting. And at that time, I was also trying to put on weight post-bodybuilding show. And I just couldn't put on weight. Like my body was just soaking up the food and not doing anything with it. So we were taking like free meals. We were pounding a bunch of food. And my like overall well-being just kept getting worse. And it was because I was continuing to eat a lot of food triggers. And I just had no idea about it. And like six, probably like four weeks post-diagnosis, I was like, all right, I feel like dick. I need to like take care of myself right now. So I pulled out my food triggers, started on the root cause protocol or the Hashimoto's protocol by Dr. Isabella Wentz. If you guys aren't familiar with her, she is a wealth of knowledge. She's coined herself the thyroid pharmacist, and she's dedicated her entire life's research to Hashimoto's remission and treatment. And that's where I got my protocols from. So I dove into that. And then after that, it just really sparked an interest for me in learning more about it and helping to educate more women on what that's like. So I think the biggest thing in all of that is that it kind of forces you to take a look at what your root cause could be. Because in the United States, we have this idea that we are treating symptoms, right? So you have fatigue, have caffeine, can't sleep, here's sleeping medication. You can't lose weight, like here's Ozempic, instead of figuring out like, why is this actually happening? So in order for you to have a autoimmune disease come up, you need three things. You need a genetic predisposition. So it has to be somewhere in your family line of autoimmunity. It's really close to home for me. I have two members of my immediate family that both have an autoimmune disease. So I already knew that the cards were not in my favor there. Number two is a trigger. And I thought my trigger was bodybuilding. And wow, to be completely honest, I kind of knew that something was going to come up during my bodybuilding prep just because of how close to home it was for me. So I was like, if nothing's popped up yet, it's going to right now. That being said, I think a lot of people blame bodybuilding for their health complications. I was fully aware of it. It's really just about awareness going into it. And you got to know what you sign up for when you go into a bodybuilding prep. Like it's not some cute little thing. Like it's actually a very big undertaking. So you do need to be aware of what you're doing going into that. And then third is intestinal permeability. 
And that's like what we refer to as leaky gut, right? And this could come from conventional foods that we eat like all of the time that aren't super great for our gut health. And if you do have an autoimmune disease, it can come from like everyday foods that you just don't know are food triggers or sensitivities for you. So all of mine actually didn't start during my bodybuilding prep. I traced it all of the way back to when I got mono in high school. And at the time I thought it was just mono, but I remember it took me out for like months and months and months on end. Cause I like couldn't wake up. I was gaining weight really rapidly. And I had no idea why my energy was shot. I was in and out of doctor's offices for literally months and no one thought to test like thyroid antibodies. We just tested me for mono and saw that I had mono, which was great. But that was the trigger that set off my genetic predisposition and then just intestinal permeability from life as a whole. That was, you know, quite a journey to even track it back that far. And it's crazy how something, you know, years ago could be something that manifests fully now. And you didn't really even recognize that. Um, And I think it's also important to note way back in the beginning when you said, you know, you got labs done and everything looked fine and dandy and like you didn't really think too much about it. That happens so often. And I highly recommend anybody listening to this to get a second opinion on labs because sometimes they really are like within medical normal, normal ranges, but not actually optimal. And there's a difference between the two. So thank you for sharing your journey. And I think it's also important to have you share your journey for anybody else who's listening to this episode that is going through this right now to know that, you know, they're not alone and just hear it from somebody who's actually experiencing it. Because, you know, I know a decent amount, like you said, from school, like I've learned that, but I haven't gone through that myself. So I think it's important to have somebody speak about it that's actually gone through it and is going through it and still figuring it out and, you know, actively it's happening right now. And to share your experience is really amazing for anybody else who is going through that. So thank you for that. And thank you also for giving that extra resource with the doctor. I will also put her in the show notes for anybody who wants to take a look at her as well. But when you were, so obviously you said um, you were the guinea pig. And so maybe you didn't even recognize that you had Hashimoto's before you actually got diagnosed with it. But what are some of the symptoms that you specifically were feeling that caused you to say like, I should get stuff done? Or was it just that you wanted to check your hormones because of the bodybuilding competition? So to be honest, I feel like since the mono incident, I've never really felt 100%. And I thought that that was just what life was. And it's really sad to think that there's a lot of women living like that. And I still wouldn't say I'm like fully 100% yet, but at least I know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and this isn't the end all be all. So I think the biggest things for me was like that 20 pound weight gain. And I had no idea why. Um, I always just felt really puffy and inflamed and like squishy Um, changes in energy, really slow bowel movements. So constipation, um, really bad intolerance to cold and anxiety. I feel like anxiety started happening, whereas it wasn't super present before that. I feel like I was pretty happy-go-lucky and chill. And then after that started happening, I started noticing changes in my mental health. That being said, like after all of those things started happening, I thought it was just life because in high school I did develop an eating disorder and that 
did happen after that like 20 pound weight gain. And it was also because of like my personal development, internal healing journey, like triggers there. I was in like my junior year of high school. So all of the SATs, all of the stress there on top of gaining 20 plus pounds, like eating disorder right off the bat. So I thought that I was just feeling like shit because of that. And then I went to college and I thought it was stress. And then I had SIBO and a tapeworm and I thought it was that, but really it was all traced back to where it all truly started. And all of these things just like kept popping up and we're like, oh, it's because of X, Y, and Z, but it wasn't actually addressing the root cause of it. And I've been regularly getting lab work for the majority of my time that I've been in my fitness journey. So I've been getting it for the last like four-ish years. And I was able to go back and look and see like different thyroid levels that were off, but weren't out of conventional ranges. They were out of functional ranges. So it was subclinical, but it was still very much there. And a lot of people don't know to look for that. And you also just don't know that how you're feeling isn't normal. Like it's not normal to not have energy. It's not normal for it to be that hard for you to lose a single pound. It's not normal for you to literally cry at the thought of being in the cold weather like I used to. And so again, I think this goes back to the importance of understanding your body and just recognizing when things are just not like you don't feel yourself things are off and being in tune with your body is a great step one to even notice that something is off like you were saying like you just felt off in so many different ways and when it comes to diagnosing you know you gave your approach to figuring out how you even came about this and and what you went through is there any like specific labs that you want to get tested or anything that anybody who's listening to this can go to their doctor and say like hey I think I have this can you do some tests for me this is what's hard because sometimes like they won't pull them for you so I can actually send you the link to the one that I have my clients check out and it's a good like overall pulse on what's going on in the female body it's obviously like not super in depth in terms of like sex hormones, but it does give you a pretty comprehensive view of the thyroid. And then it also does test an antibody. So you would want to test, like get a full thyroid panel, meaning TSH, you want free T3, you want free T4. Um, You want to be checking both antibodies if possible. So TPOAB, and then um, there's another one. I think it's TG. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but there are two. And that's kind of, we have a lot of balloons today. So that is what you want to overall take a look at is like get that comprehensive view of what your thyroid is doing. But I will say that with things being kind of nonspecific of metabolism and digestion or energy levels, there might be other things to also consider and take a look at. So just because your thyroid levels are low or abnormal, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is directly a thyroid issue. A lot of things go back to stress. If your bowel movements aren't where they need to be, then that could throw off your sex hormones, which could throw off like mental sides of things. So it is important to take a very comprehensive view. And that's why I would check out the link that I'm going to give you so that you can kind of get a pulse and see, are there sex hormones off? Like, is my cortisol super high? And then you'll know where to dig deeper. Yeah, that'll be very helpful um, to have something like that, that kind of is more in detail, more comprehensive, because like you said, 
one thing can like lead to other things and so it's kind of like a cycle that you have to go through to figure out what is the root cause and sometimes it takes some time but being patient with that process and diving deeper getting more comprehensive tests can help at least navigate where you need to start looking and then digging deeper into that so that'll be very helpful thank you for sending that over to me and i want to go over ways on on kind of managing it and like your own experience with that so we'll start with nutrition like what are some things that you experienced with nutrition changes what is helping you manage or, or in general for somebody who has Hashimoto's what are some nutritional pieces that uh, you can give for helping to manage this yeah so in the protocol that Dr. Isabella Wentz gave it's pretty extensive but it is also like get Hashimoto's into remission. So a big thing is you want to remove your dietary triggers. And for a lot of people with Hashimoto's, gluten and dairy are very large triggers. That doesn't mean that you need to remove them forever. And I have people <laughs> that talk to me and they're like, oh, when you can eat this again? I'm like, I don't think you understand that I feel like a human. So I'm probably not going to add them back in. So I think it's about like being smart about it and knowing what your tolerance is, but like food sensitivity tests are a waste of money in my opinion, because it's just going to test whatever antibodies are going to show up. And more often than not, it's going to be for the foods that you've most recently eaten. So the best way to figure out what your food triggers actually are, are going to be to do an elimination diet where you pull it out for like four plus weeks, and then you slowly add it back in and you see what your body reacts to. So Hashimoto's light is like gluten and dairy free. And then you take a step up and you can remove grains. I will say that I didn't think the grains were like that big of a deal, especially with like rice and stuff, but I feel so much better after removing like rices. The one thing that I miss is oatmeal. So I'm going to try and add oatmeal back in gluten-free oats, mind you. And it's a complex carb. So we will see, but that's going to be like the one thing that I do end up going and adding back in. And if you're still having issues from there, that's when you would want to go like autoimmune paleo. And then you would kind of figure out what foods are your actual triggers to go and add back in. And your body might not react the same way once your, your antibodies are lower, right? So you might not be like in a flare up in a super stressful time period. So then you might be able to tolerate more foods, but just knowing what your triggers are and how much you can consume of it is big. And just focusing on a nutrient-dense diet, like make sure you're getting your colors in. I will say that going a little bit higher fat compared to strictly high carb, which is kind of what we're surrounded with in the fitness bodybuilding space is high carb, lower fat. But I find that in a lot of females, not just with Hashimoto's, going a little bit higher in fat does have some benefits to it, to overall well-being, hair, skin, nails, stuff like that. Yeah, and I think- that's important with the with the food sensitivity tests. I mean, elimination diets, I feel like take more patience and time, but they give you an actual outcome where food sensitivities, like you said, I, I don't trust them either. I don't think that they're super accurate. I've done them before and I like would cut out whatever was on it with like with the high intolerance with the red zone. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this out. And then I would be like, well, I still feel the same. So what gives? And yeah. it's just, yeah, I, I definitely agree with elimination diets might be a little bit more time consuming. You have to be a little bit more patient with that because you actually have to let the body like 
see what's triggering and what's not. So eliminating that for a long period of time, then adding it back in. So it is a process, but it actually will help you, I feel like, give more actual evidence that X foods are triggers for you. And I also want to specify that it's not always easy. So if you have no idea what to do with elimination diet, don't just like go cutting everything out. Like maybe try to get some help from somebody, some supervision with the elimination diet. Um, but yeah, I think that's it's very helpful to understand trigger foods. The high mm-hmm. fat is a great one as well. And figuring out what is that, again, going back to like root cause issues, what is that that root cause trigger food that you might need to to cut out for at least time being, if not forever, if you feel good without it. Mm-hmm. And same thing with the like managing it. Can you talk about some lifestyle factors that you have had to adjust, whether that's stress or, you know, whatever lifestyle factors it is, what can help manage the Hashimoto's just by overall lifestyle habits? That's a big one. That is a big one. And this was something that took me a while to really come to terms with because I'm, I don't live that soft girly life. I just don't, I've always been very driven really like to accomplish things and I like to push myself, whether it is in fitness or academics or my career, I love the grind. And that is what is directly contributing to Hashimoto's and flare-ups. And looking back over the course of the last couple of years that I unknowingly dealt with it every single time that my overall stress bucket got overloaded, that's when things would flare up. So When you are dealing with something like this, you want to take a look at stress as a whole, right? It's not just training stress and cardio stress and not getting enough sleep and emotional stress. It's how are all of these things filling up my overall stress bucket? And some people might have a bucket. Some people might have a coffee mug. Some people might have a teaspoon, like whatever your personal stress container looks like. That's unfortunately what you're working with. And when you do have Hashimoto's, it's a little bit smaller just because your body reacts so violently towards the other side of it. I will say that like getting enough sleep, very much a non-negotiable, making sure that you are exercising in the right way. So not pushing yourself too crazy hard. I find that very like repetitive, moderate stress activity is not the best for Hashimoto's. So like I tried to run for a little bit, felt god awful and that's also not like super awesome for like female sex hormones is like long distance running and things but like some bodies are totally fine with it so it's finding what works well for you and what I've also found in my training is that pushing super hard on my training day sessions is not the best idea so I can still go into the gym and lift weights because it's very important to still be moving your body but I can't push super crazy hard and again that's not to say forever but when you are in the process of getting it under control and putting it into remission, then it's probably a good idea to pull back on that side of things. Because I like to have my stress bucket filled with things like festivals or a random late night that Chad and I want to stay up and watch a show versus like eating bread. I can have my gluten-free bread, you know? So it's what is all contributing to the stress bucket. And I think the thing that people really don't talk about is the mental and spiritual side of autoimmunity. And 
I was, I heard from this girl on TikTok, her name's like health with Fifi or something, but she was listening to a podcast and this woman was talking about autoimmunity. And she said, things can't move into a house that people live in, right? If you have an abandoned house, then you're going to start attracting like critters and homeless things. And that's when things start to manifest and overgrow. That's where you get like the SIBO or the candida and all of these symptoms that pop up is it's all directly related to you abandoning yourself and not giving yourself what you need on a mental and emotional and a spiritual front. It is so much more deep than just the physical root cause. A lot of it lies in our relationship to ourselves, in our spiritual connection with whatever higher thing you believe in. It's how do you emotionally and mentally respond to stressors in your life? Because even if you reduce all of the stress in your life, if one thing goes wrong and you absolutely lose your fucking mind, that's a personal response issue. And there's nothing anyone can do about that except for you. So there's a large component of that that is arguably the most pivotal when you address those things. Yeah, that is huge. I love that analogy. I have not heard that one. And that is like, makes sense. The wires are connecting my brain. Like that just fits the description so well. And I think overall stress is something that a lot of people recognize but don't necessarily take action to help and they just kind of like let it keep manifesting, let it keep happening and they then they get to this point where it's like, okay, well, I'm overloaded, I'm overstimulated, all these things happen and I put it off for so long and now I'm getting issues like whether that's health issues or what whatever it is, however that manifests for them. So again, reiterating how stress can directly impact so much in our lives and I love how you took it on all fronts like the bucket analogy another great one to to focus on it's not just all these things but everything that's contributing to it including the spiritual the mental side of it that is something that again a lot of people don't take the time to actually master and like really dive into and can make such a difference so Anybody listening to this, it's your cue to to start doing that because it's so, so important and actually impacts so, so much. So another, I guess, discussion on managing it is supplements. So obviously supplements are a hot topic for a wide variety of pretty much everything disease-related, just fitness-related things. Like everybody's like, what supplement should I take? Um, so do you suggest taking any supplements or not going down that route at first, maybe adding them in if you need to, if anything, what supplements? I think the biggest thing that I want to emphasize first is that supplements are supplementary to whatever you're doing in your lifestyle. So yes, they can be beneficial, but if you're still a raging ball of stress, that's not sleeping enough, they're not going to do very much for you. So there are a couple of them that you could add into your life. Like one could be a stress supportive supplement. That's one that's really pivotal in a lot of women. I find that just run a little bit hot, you know, like they're a little bit more stressed out and they are working on their lifestyle things because I won't add in supplements if you're not actually doing your work, but 
some sort of stress supporting supplement, things like rhodiola that's going to like nourish your body, nourish your adrenals, stuff like that. I'm also a really big fan of getting it from your food first. So making sure that you're eating like three to five colors of fruits and veggies in a day, you're rotating your sources out daily if you can, realistically weekly for those of us that like meal prep to make sure that you're getting in a wide variety of nutrients in your diet, because that's where your body's going to get the building blocks that it needs to actually fight off whatever is going on. Another supplement that you could consider adding in would be things that are a little bit more liver supportive. So I know a lot of people supplement NAC, which is N-acetylcysteine, the precursor to glutathione. Glutathione is the most abundant antioxidant in the body and is really prevalent in the liver. And the liver can get overburdened when we have things that build up in the body, like an autoimmune flare up or during times of stress, the liver processes everything. So giving it a little bit of support is a great idea. Another way that you can support your liver would be to eat cruciferous vegetables. Really awesome way to support that. Um, selenium is always a good one. That one's really important with Hashimoto's. Take that with vitamin E to get the full benefits of it. And then I'm a big fan of just like your, your basic ones, you know, like omega-3, vitamin D3, K2, ones that are good in just general overall health. If you guys want like a full supplement protocol in the doctor that I referenced earlier, that was the full supplement protocol that I did follow to kind of get everything under control. And it's also good to just be aware of things to have them in your back pocket, but it's really hard to give like general supplement recommendations if we don't know what's going on with the person. So that's why I went a little bit more broad. But if you're suffering with Hashimoto's in particular, I would check out that book so that you can decide if you want to go through that full supplement protocol. Yeah, two important important parts there. One, it's specific to the person. So don't just go take in random supplements just because, you know, you should or somebody said that you should. It's it's dependent on the person and what they're experiencing. And two, whole food sources first and the foundational habits. Mm -hmm. Super important to do those things first, again, before adding in all these other things because they will just be a band-aid for any problem and not actually get to that root cause that we've been talking about. So thank you for kind of explaining that, emphasizing the importance of those two things, but also giving us some tangible supplements that might be helpful for somebody who might need them. And just one last question before we wrap it up, kind of more your own opinion, but what advice would you give for somebody who has Hashimoto's or just got diagnosed with it, they want to lose some weight, they want to feel good, and they're just kind of like in this overwhelmed state of, oh my God, I have this autoimmune disease, what's going to happen? I feel like in this day and age, you have to be your own advocate and you can't rely on somebody to give you the answers. So like I said, go check out that doctor. She's written two books. One's like the root cause and it goes into all of the different things that could be contributing to it and all of the different things that could help. She has another book that is completely geared towards the protocols themselves. And she even wrote like a third one that's like an adrenal reset, which again is like the biggest thing that comes up with most health-related conditions is going to be stress response and all of that. So what I have learned, because over the course of the last five years, I've worked with brilliant coaches, dietitians, very educated people, worked with doctors, 
And ultimately nobody was able to help me figure that out until I went and did my own research. And that's not a knock on any of them because they wouldn't have known, right? Like it's up to you to put your own pieces together of your health related puzzle and figure out what your body needs. That's not to say that you can't work with a doctor or a dietitian that you trust. Just make sure that you're finding the right one and you are doing your due diligence to find all of the data to actually bring it to the table. Because I I remember like working with some clients, they'll tell me like three months in, they're like, oh yeah, by the way, I have Crohn's disease. I'm like, that would have been helpful information. Like it's about knowing what you need to know first so that somebody can actually help you. So I know that it's really hard with where you're at right now, like feeling like literally the entire fucking world's against you because you have this autoimmune disease and you don't know what to do with it. And it's also the most empowering place to be because ultimately nobody's going to be able to help you better than you. Love that. Huge, 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 huge piece of advice is being your own advocate. So I fully stand by that. And I think that was a fantastic answer to that question. Huge piece. So I think we we covered so many great things in this episode. There's a lot of things that somebody listening to this can can start implementing or just start thinking about and kind of start on their journey if, if they haven't started already getting to the bottom of what's going on and again, being an advocate for themselves to get better and manage it the best that they can. So I hope that this gave you guys some more knowledge on what to do, where to start. Um, I will link the doctor, all the things that we mentioned in this episode in the show notes. So you guys can go ahead and check out everything there. But hopefully this was also a reminder that if you do have Hashimoto's, you're not alone. And it's also not the end all be all. And you can still live a healthy life and feel good in your skin and your body and manage it. And it doesn't have to be this like doomsday, the world is ending around you. So hopefully you guys kind of got a glimpse of that through this episode as well. But this was amazing. Thank you so, so much, Caroline, for joining. Is there anything else you want to add or touch on? No, I feel like we covered it all. Cool. Awesome. So thank you so much again, guys, go follow her on Instagram at Caroline Biddle underscore RD. Again, I'll link her in the notes, but that is it for this episode and I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the health club with Julia podcast. If you love the episode, share the podcast and tag me and subscribe. So you don't miss any further episodes. If you have any questions, feel free to send me a DM. Thanks for being a part of the club. See you next time.